This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Well, my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, is not in with me today. We're going to miss her, uh, but we've got a great guest. Heidi went to do some work at Newtown. They're having an event up there to support the families in Newtown, so hopefully uh, when she comes back on the show, she'll tell us uh, all about her activity up there. And we hope that you will visit us on our site, Open to Hope, and look at our television shows we're doing now. We've got some great shows on there, and we will be doing a weekly show called Grief Relief. And it will be on our site, and if you live in Manhattan, it'll be in Manhattan and all the boroughs on Sunday night on Channel 56 at 9 o'clock. So please watch. All right, uh, today our guest is Sandy Amaralo. Did I say your last name right? Say it again. Amor- Amorello. Yes, you did. Okay, than good. Most people. Amorello. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy's not Amaryllis or Amarillo. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Sandy is an artist, uh, an author, a speaker, and a serial entrepreneur, which we'll have to hear about, and a single mother of three. She lost her husband and college sweetheart Drew to pancreatic cancer ten years ago. She's the author of *The Irreverent Widow*, shockingly true tales of love love, death, and dating with children in tow. Well, Sandy, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So you're up there in Maine, and uh, I'm in California. It's uh, uh, all the way across the country. Uh, where did you start out? When when you were married with Drew, you moved right after he died? Um, yes. We actually we met in Philadelphia at uh, Art College, and I was from northern New Jersey. He was from Massachusetts. I moved up uh, towards Boston, and that's where we spent, you know, our entire marriage and about 20 years. And after he passed away, I moved up to the Portland, Maine area with my three children a couple of years later. So that's how I ended up up here. Kind of was a healing kind of place for me to be right next to the ocean and beautiful up here. And that was uh, the direction I was pulled in. So talk, talk a little bit about being a widow, because I know you've written this book about it and some of the issues, and I know that you talk about uh, the pain of it, but also there's a bit of humor in it and, and kind of a life goes on kind of thing. You had three kids to raise, so you really really had to move on, didn't you? Or move along, whatever. Um, yes. I mean, you know, he was, uh, you know, we've been together a long time, and he was kind of that love of my life, and I kind of had not the perfect marriage, but the perfectly imperfect marriage. And, you know, we had that magic that makes you stick together through all the, you know, bad things that come up in life. And this was the thing. And we could not, you know, couldn't say that about this. So, I mean, I kind of, uh, my mantra is, you know, life doesn't go as we plan. And I think we have to look within ourselves for our own strength and luckily I have always had a great sense of humor and he had one too and that is what I kind of had to cling to uh, besides the faces of my wonderful children to help me to help me get through it and move on. I mean, widowhood stinks. It's, <laughs> that's, that's the bottom line, you know. You don't want to have it happen to you but it happens to plenty of us 
And I was only, um, you know, I was 41 when he passed away. He was 42, and we still had a, you know, our youngest child was four. You just don't plan on those things happening when you're saying, I do. A lot of responsibility for you. Were you ever kind of mad at God or him or whoever that you had this oh, whole man, responsibility? I was, I was mad at everyone. I, <laughs> I was, um, yeah, I mean, I think you just sit there and think, you know, what? What is this all about? And, but there are, there, there are those tidbits, um, you know, those little pieces of the silver lining that I started, I think because of my sense of humor. And I certainly was not sitting around laughing. I didn't come home from the funeral and put on a party dress. And, you know, sometimes people think that because I am so optimistic um, and I do have a great you know, sense of humor and way of looking at things and finding those little tidbits that can raise your spirits um, and make you laugh. You know, people think I wasn't sitting around crying uh, for days and weeks and months and years, but I, I certainly was. And I was devastated, but yeah, I think I think being able to find those, like gradually, I was able to find those little things that I could all of a sudden see, you know, um, you're in this horrible situation that you never wanted to be in, but all of a sudden I could see little teeny things that gave me a glimmer of hope that one day I would have kind of a full life again and, and feel happy again. And, you know, just little silly things like all of a sudden one day I realized, wow, you know, I, I could paint my living room whatever color I want and not have to ask anybody what they think about. Right. <laughs> you know, just little things that, of course, I would rather have had him there to ask him. But, you know, I think you kind of have to just, just look for anything that could make you feel, feel, um, I know a woman who whose husband died, and she was telling me a couple of months later, she got her lipstick out one day and wrote on the mirror in her bathroom, I can do anything I want to today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a very, I think to keep your, I mean, for me, it was all about keeping my, just my mental, you know, my sanity. I mean, our kids were four, seven, and nine when he passed away. It was, of course, you're trying you know, you have you have to allow yourself the space to grieve yourself, you know, your own loss. But then, when you have, especially when you have children, that you need to be, you know, a, a strength for them, and so you kind of have to be taking care of them and helping them with their grieving while you're trying to not just be, you know, believe me, I would have liked to have stayed in bed for a few months just crying, but my kids wouldn't let me do that. Thank goodness, I guess. So, right. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, but I was, yeah, I was, I was really pissed off. <laughs> well, we, we put on Facebook that we were going to have you on the show talking about the irreverent widow, <laughs> and we are widower, yes. and we had some questions, and, and here are our comments, too, and I'll okay. give you a couple. So uh, we got one from Lily, and she says, I'm 38, my husband was in a bike accident three years ago. And one of the things that really bothers me about divorce and bereaved men is that they seem to want to get involved after, right after the loss. No time for grief. Um, it seems fast for me. Have you found this? Um, I think people want you to move on with your life. And I think our society in general is just very, um, you know, we don't have a really very healthy way of dealing with, with grief as a society. And yes, I did feel 
as if, you know, people for their own comfort level sometimes, they want you to move on, find somebody new, you know, don't talk about it anymore. Um, so I totally understand this. My way of dealing with it was creating this art exhibit called The Irreverent Widow and starting to write my stories and it kind of became this part of my life that was kind of um, something very healthy because it was always there for my kids and I to discuss and, you know, I didn't feel like I was wallowing in the past, but I think, you know, we have to be able to talk about the people that we've lost and and gradually you're not crying about them, you're talking about them in a in a happy way and happy memories and yeah, as a society and a lot of individuals just, you know, they want us to kind of just put it in the past and move on. And that's, you know, as mm-hmm. me, that, that is not, that's not healthy and, and that's not what we need to do. And that's what I'm trying to do with a lot of my writing and my art is to kind of open those doors. Now, is your art online at all or pictures of your uh, art? My art is not. It's not online right now. It's kind of in transition because my original um, exhibit, which was called The Reverend Widow, is now being uh, transformed into a uh, a touring exhibit that will be transportable beyond the New England states, and that is uh, turning into an exhibit called Sacred Stuff. And it's about kind of the objects that you know, tell our stories and the meaning that they hold for us. And I'm very excited about it. So I'm moving into phase two, and I will, I'm sorry, just to say I will have, there will be things online in the next Okay. Months. And you're going to um, maybe have it at Michelle Neff Hernandez's Soaring Spirits um, exhibit um, in San yes, Diego? We're, we're working on that. Yes, we're working on that. I am going to be there doing a workshop called Sacred Stuff, and we are working on uh, logistics and, and whether or not the art exhibit will there at the end of June. Um, even if the whole exhibit is not there, I will have certain... You know, certain All right, so people can look for that. Yeah. Well, we've got another yeah. question from Dave from Provo, Utah, and he says, uh, about online dating, should I admit that I'm 40 pounds overweight? <laughs> oh, Dave. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, you know, I think, um, I think the most important thing with online dating is be honest. One of my best uh, takeaways from all of my online dating experiences is that you want to um, surprise and delight, not surprise and disappoint. So, (laughs) with those words of wisdom out there, because I think the worst thing is when we meet people and they aren't kind of, you know, who they say they are, um, whether it's physically or, or other things about them. Um, and then you kind of feel like you've been deceived, and I think that just starts everything. You know, that's a surefire recipe for disaster. So I think much better. Forty pounds is not that much. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure plenty of women will think you're perfect. I'm sure you are perfect just as you are. So you're looking for that person that's going to accept you the way you are and love you for that, and you know, not be um, trying to change you. So I think. Just be totally honest, and um, it's your personality and your flip of the side that's going to come through and be most important in life. I lo- love that, to be who you are. <clears throat> uh, Fran said, oh, this is an interesting one. She said, did your husband's friends try to hit on you? I find this very <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> I love these questions. <laughs> See, these are the things that nobody really wants to talk about. Um, Yes, I did have, um, I started to write a, a story at one point, which I probably will never 
you know, I might never finish it, and that certainly, I'm sure I'll never end up publishing it, but it was, um, you know, kind of the question to myself was, how many years is it until all your husband's friends start hitting on you? Apparently, three, you know, <laughs> I think after three years, <laughs> all of a sudden, they must have all felt like it was at least the single ones, that it was, um, you know, enough time had gone by, and yeah, some odd things started happening, and I think that can get very uncomfortable, and um, you know, you kind of uh, you kind of want to keep some of those friends in your life as a kind of reminder of your your deceased husband, and maybe you were friendly with you know that man or as part of a couple, and um, I think you know you kind of want to hang on to that, but then sometimes it can just turn into a situation. So yeah, you just got to give them a slap and say, you know, <laughs> behave yourself and be my friend. Don't be hitting on me. <laughs> oh. Unless you like them, of course, <laughs> in a romantic way, and they're not married. <sighs> oh, wow. That's a, that's a good one. A romantic way, and they're not married. Good advice. Yes, they should. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so so here's one from Regina. She wants to know this. When do you introduce your kids to a romantic interest? Um, well, let's see, Regina. I I think we all have different comfort levels and kind of maybe different rules internally surrounding issues like that. I think when we're widowed, um, you know, I always um, give little jabs my divorced friends because I, I would never want to be in that situation and, or be divorced, but I always say at least you get every other weekend free to have a man come to your house if you want. <laughs> you know, you don't always have to be worrying about when, you know, if you want to um, have someone involved in your life, really, you kind of, when you're with your kids 24-7 and there's no ex-husband, you, um, you know, you, you kind of sometimes don't have as much choice about introducing someone to your kids or having them meet them. I think it's a very personal situation. I, I have dated a lot. Um, yeah, I call it my dating career. And I have not introduced my kids to that many people. I, mean, I really, you know, had to feel very comfortable about the whole situation. But I think as a widow, just logistically, sometimes it's harder to keep everybody separate. Um, you know, uh-huh. uh, a little bit more difficult. Just because you're with them all the time and no one's taking them every once in a while. So. Uh-huh. Betty wants to know how you know when it's time to be intimate. I mean, when? how long should you wait, you know? Oh, oh to be intimate with mm-hmm. a man? Yeah. Yes. Um, well, if, if anyone reads my book, you'll find out that I <laughs> didn't wait as long as I should have maybe sometimes. Um, you know, I think it depends on, I think it really depends on your personal values and, you know, kind of how important kind of that kind of, you know, intimacy is. I really love, you know, I, I, I love physical intimacy and, and I think when you're widowed and you don't have anybody, even that you're kind of, you know, hugging and kissing and whatever, um, I really, really missed sex. I mean, about eight months after my husband was gone. I just woke up one day and knew, you know, if I did not start kissing someone and start having the opportunity to sleep with someone at some point soon, 
I kind of felt like I would forget how to do all of it and that maybe I would just be too frightened for the rest of my life. To, so I felt like I had to kind of just jump in and that was, you know, that was totally, that's kind of who I am and, and I knew my husband wanted me to have that kind of relationship and, and you know, um, go forward in that way. So I, I had no issues about guilt or, um, you know, I was totally good having sex again. All right. I love it. it- <laughs> <laughs> of course, we need to be safe and use condoms. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you put that piece in. That's got to be kind of hard for, you know, women to stand up to that sometimes, isn't it? I mean, I can imagine somebody saying, well, I've had a vasectomy or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I think especially middle-aged dating is totally different. But I think, you know, I have kind of a list of permissions that are kind of the things that I, the lessons I learned from this whole experience of being widowed the last 10 years. And um, so I have my, I think it's 11 permissions. I have them up on my website, but they're kind of the base of everything I'm doing. And one of them is that we have permission to enjoy sex. I mean, there's a huge double standard still, you know, um, in our society and, you know, women are supposed to only want to have sex if they're madly in love. And to me, I thought, wow, you know, I'm in the best phase of my life. Unfortunately, my husband is not here. If I wait to fall madly in love with someone again, you know, that might never happen. So, you know, what are you going to do except for (laughs) follow, follow your own instincts? And I think as women, you know, we need to give ourselves that permission. Uh, I love it. I love what you're saying. I think it's amazing because people feel like they have to be married and they end up marrying people that that don't match them. Oh, goodness. Yeah, and I think once you've had it, if you've had kind of one of those marriages that you really felt like it was going to be a forever kind of thing, and like I said, you know, nothing is perfect, but when you find a person that you really do feel like you can kind of weather any storm together and you have that magic between you and then that person is gone. I think it's, you know, it's a pretty tall order to to be finding maybe someone who's going to take that, you know, that place again in your life. And and that could never happen and that does not mean that we can't have a wonderful life and still be having sex and still be laughing and happy and dating and you know, I think we really do have to kind of reclaim um those things. I have to tell you, my mother was 83 years old when my father died, and her she heard that her old boyfriend, who she went with in college, uh, his wife died, and they ended up being a couple and traveling all over and having a fabulous time together. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to, I was with uh, one of my good friend's mothers who's 89, and her husband had just passed away, a lovely man, and they'd been together for know, 60-something years or forever, and he just passed away last fall, and I was at a Christmas party with her, and she, she knows about my book, and you know, she's 89, she was reading, wanted to read my book, and she said, there's this guy that I used to, you know, he always loved me in high school, and she said, I'm going to be seeing him at our reunion, <laughs> and she said, do you think I should ask him out for coffee, or would that be too fun? <laughs> Like, you go for it. <laughs> but I did say to her, I said, if you end up with a boyfriend before me, I'm going to have to take you on board to work with me. 
Oh, Sandy, I love it. We, tell us how to get your book. Everybody's got to get it and give it to people they know. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, well, I'm very proud of my book. I'm thrilled I got it done, and uh, I'm happy I'm getting such a great reaction. Um, it can be purchased on Amazon. Uh, it's a paperback version. It is not on there yet for Kindle, but it will be hopefully in the next few months. And also, you know, booksellers and, and other organizations can purchase it through Ingram Publishing. Great, and it's called The Irreverent Widow, Shockingly True Tales of yeah. Love, Death, and Dating, and Children in Tow. And when this show, yeah. this show is actually going to play on July 4th, which is my birthday. And, um, oh, <laughs> and by then, you will have done your Camp, uh, your camp Widow with N- Michelle Nefernandez, yeah. and you'll have a fabulous site up there, and people will probably be able to do, you'll do art pieces for them, right? Um, yes, we'll have, I'll have my, my visual art, um, you know, there, and we'll be talking about that and talking about just how people can, how you can recreate your life with, you know, passion and creativity, whatever form that takes. Great. We all have some creative, you know, side of us, even if we think that we don't, and it can definitely help us to heal and to move on. Hey, thank you for being on the show today, Sandy. You're a delight. Uh, well, thank you, Gloria. I feel the same. So please listen again next week and God bless you. Dr. Worsley. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.